Your support helps us bring fresh voices, new voices, and credible voices. Support Mind Podcast by clicking on support the Mind Podcast link on mind.net. You can also write to us at info at mind.net about any other way you would like to support Mindmakers. Hello and welcome to Mind Podcast 118.0. This is Sunanda Vashish coming to you from Houston, Texas. Um, Adit is not here. He is the one who usually does this, but he's not here. He's worked like a million hours this week, so we were kind enough to let him go and <laughs> take a Sunday afternoon off. But I'm here and I wasn't here last week, so um, my punishment is that I have to do Adit's job. But the only uh, fixture who is here is my colleague Pramod Kumar Puravalli. How are you? Oh, the fixture, okay. Fixture. Well, <laughs> uh, at least you didn't call me the fixer. <laughs> no, I'll never call you the fixer. You're anything but the fixer. You are a thinker and you are a doer, but you are not a fixer and, and you are a fixture. <laughs> no, the, the, the difference between a fixture and a fixer is that fixer is never constant. You know, they keep changing. changing. Um, but very interestingly, in the world today, the biggest fixer or fixture both mm-hmm. equally is the United States of America. If you look at the speech he gave in Min- Saudi Arabia, yes, uh, and then sold 260 billion or maybe twice of that in uh, arms, arms, it just shows that you you hate it or you love it. America is not going anywhere. No, it plays that's both true, sides, both all sides, packs Americana at its fullest display. I know you want to talk about it. Yes, I'm glad you talked about it. That's going to be one of our debates. So I'm going to just and stop you short there yeah, because yeah. we are going to discuss this continuously. I did say earlier that the um, consistent love affair of US presidents with Kingdom of Saudi Arabia continues unabated, whether yeah, it is no. Trump or um, Obama. They go there and the oil oil does not make this relationship slippery at all. <laughs> so that's there. But that's one of our debates. So we'll talk about that for sure. We will also, Modi government completed three years in office. Huge achievement. He is done mo- most of his, um, you know, ha- more than half of his term is over. And two more years left, I think by the end of 2018, no, by the end of 2017, he's going to get into campaign mode. So whatever he has to done, pretty much he has one more year to do what he wants to do. Because after that, it's going to be all campaign rhetoric and all that stuff. But not big things. Not big things. This could be smaller things. This could be smaller things that, um, you know, as I always say, um, reform with the dollop of socialism. So that's going to be... Perfectly put. You predicted it two years ago. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So that's going to happen. Uh, But first, I want to talk about something that has been of immense importance to every Indian and that has made all of us so proud. And that is the case of Kulbushan Jadav that we actually... Uh, so it's very important to understand what we want. We, we received a reprieve for him. So Pakistan at the moment cannot hang him unless it goes against International Court of Justice, which is going to be very bad for it internationally. I doubt if that is going to happen. They may torture him, but I doubt if they are going to go against the court and um, you know hang him. But let me say that this is the nation owes a huge 
uh, you know, thanks and gratitude to um, Government of India, Ministry of uh, External Affairs, Sushma Swaraj, who I believe led from the front, and the lawyer, Hari Salve. So, Pramod, I want you to explain to people that what have we really won in um, Kulbushan Jadav's this case? We haven't decided, this has not been decided that whether he's yeah. a spy or not, because that is beyond the... Uh, jurisdiction of this court. Right. So what um, actually did we win? So majority of the international cases that are discussed in, in the International Court of Justice in uh, Switzerland are matters that the two countries cannot mutually uh, resolve or if a third country cannot arbitrate the dispute. Uh, this has happened time and uh, time and again where countries who feel they have enough leverage at the International Court of Justice uh, go and try to make a statement. Now that doesn't mean that they won't hang him or they won't torture him like you rightly said, but it is a leverage that cannot be neglected. Hmm. I was a little bit skeptic, Sunandaji, why India chose ICJ when you have other disputes also with Pakistan, possibly dispute coming up with India's water treaty. Naturally, that's the what bo bogey the, of uh, Kashmir. That's that what were, the skeptics said that yeah, it but, was a wrong but, thing but, to get a third person but, there. But, but I, I tell you what, Pakistan today is such a ostracized nation. Even any layman American that I've been talking to or continue to converse with about Pakistan, they all continue to club it with Iran and North Korea. Iran unjustifiably, but at but least North, North Korea, Korea and sure. Pakistan as these two rogue nations which yeah. have to be mollified, but they are not really serving the best interests of America or in that manner, America means the international community because America alone has the power and the capability to mobilize international opinion whenever it wants Correct. to happen. So this was a master stroke by the Modi government for the moment. Again, from a strategic standpoint, it won't lead to the actual outcome that India desires. But Pakistan is running helter-skelter with an economy that is slightly doing better than it was because of the CPEC. Mm -hmm. Nawaz Sharif's government's yeah. economic parameters are still better than Zardari or better than... But that Mishra, is only but, because it's but, a client state and the, um, you but, know... The, uh, its yeah. mentors have decided to pour more money but, into it. But, it's not like they are doing anything yeah. to improve their economy. But to get some leverage out of this, if the United States bargains for the release of Kulbushan Yadav on behalf yeah. of the so-called international community, based on the staying of execution by uh, ICJ, then Pakistan might barter and try to wager for a little bit more uh, economic package that it used to receive from the Western nations. Right. Now, if you re remember, it went and made a public statement of, against Hafiz Saeed, never yeah. happened before. So, some yes. churning is happening, some pressure is being applied. Um, so, we have not won a pardon for uh, Kulbhushan Yadav. That's not possible. That's not the business of that's ICJ. That's not the business of ICJ anyway. So, that's what I want to um, say. What we have done, where Pakistan went wrong, was not giving counsellor access to... Which is what ICJ which is what facilitates. ICJ facilitates. Now, so as soon as counsellor access yes. is provided, the truth, truth comes out because yes. Kulbhushan Yadav knows that he has to give some sort of an indicator yes. uh, whether this was a legal capture, whether he was really somebody that uh, Pakistan claims is a raw spy. There yes. are certain mechanisms that intelligence agencies used and consular uh, access is one such, uh, you know, I would say pathway to finding out why and how he got captured in the first place. Yeah. That itself could be a big redeemer because mm. if that indication comes, 
uh, that he was operating in the Sistan province somewhere in mm. the border of Iran and Balochistan yeah. and he got captured by these uh, goons for hire and then shipped over and uh, taken into Pakistan that itself will be the unraveling now whatever happens unfortunately Kulbushan Yadav is a pawn in this mm, unfortunate game unfortunately. I don't know I, I just wish that he gets released uh, very soon but India has up the ante by going to ICJ exactly which normally it would it would not have been doing mm -hmm. had it not felt felt the the sort of advantageous strong case and had Pakistan position. not made the mistakes that it did. Yeah. So there is another thing that I'm seeing in this government, which is very important to see. So people will tell you, oh my God, Pakistan is also a nuclear power, so you cannot go and mess up with them. But Modi government goes and does those uh, strikes there, um, surgical strikes there. They did not retaliate the way the world was telling us to retaliate. So that was one thing that we took the wind out of there their, you know, right. the yeah. that that we did. Now everybody is saying, "Oh my God, you have so much to hide about Kashmir that you cannot go to an international court." To them, I say that this is a very wrong position to be in. We have nothing to hide in Kashmir, unlike Tibet or unlike anything Balochistan. We have not occupied Kashmir, so what is there to hide? And Pakistan is trying to overshoot itself by assuming that it can play the nuclear card over and over again yes. right now there is no adversary it it can project um, to its uh, you know seething population there is mm -hmm. trouble everywhere i just saw a video um, earlier this week of some trouble fermenting in balochistan of many baloch friends yes and we have mind makers has done extensive we, um, narration of their we, plight we, we know the the plight of uh, the balochi activists and intellectuals mm -hmm. that is uh, transpiring as we go so Pakistan's only solace at, at this point in time is that by taking the game to ICJ apparently India lets itself a little bit in a, a softer position that it wants to bargain for something yeah now what happens in these positions in these delicate positions is and we'll have to come to that ICJ arbitrator that UK okay. used I know it has been controversial yes that UPA one mm. actually used a Pakistani lawyer yeah. to arbitrate on behalf of India yes but but in these cases what happens uh, Sunandaji is ICJ has delivered the staying of execution Pakistan cannot execute him now uh, has to be the the uh, the um, person uh, Mr. Jadav has to be granted consular access mm. and third thing the back channels that completely and abruptly stopped uh, have to start has, to, has to start but the back channels will go through international arbitration mm. apparently India is holding couple of high level Pakistani uh, intelligence officers also uh, as a bargaining chip. chip but this peaceful exchange of both the bargaining mm. chips Mr. Jadav and uh, maybe saved his life may be saved so but here is what I want to tell all the peaceniks and all the people who are just creating so much uh, noise Kashmir is not our Achilles heel I want to tell this to people Kashmir we have nothing to hide there is an armed insurgency in Kashmir that we are trying to quell Every nation has, every sovereign nation has a right to guard its sovereignty. That is what we are doing in Kashmir. We have not occupied Kashmir.
so this is what i want to tell for all those people who are just uh, spreading the, these canards oh what will happen in kashmir now pakistan will take kashmir to let them be my guest i'm actually saying go ahead and bring the raise the kashmir issue then india will take the issue of sindh in, in, in sindh balochistan everything punjab sindh gujarat maratha dravid <laughs> utkal vanga so sindh is now part of pakistan what is pakistan expect? exactly and uh, prime minister already talked about balochistan from the ramparts of uh, red fort so he is not scared to raise balochistan at all so everybody who is talking about kashmir uh-huh. need not worry and i have to end this segment but before we go uh, to the next uh, segment we'll talk a little bit about that because you have one more point to make but i will come back and we'll talk about that so we were talking about icj and um, india's victory um, in the court and uh, mr kulbushan jadhav's case and prabhu you wanted to make one point so so the recent victory that icj granted was um, was against china you know if you remember that china had built all of these islands in south china sea absolutely out of the atolls that were there mm. in and disputed sparkles islands which were disputed by mm. uh, vietnam philippines indonesia malaysia every other country in that neighborhood had laid claims to some of the islands but china had built all of these islands the unsinkable aircraft carriers as they call them but the icj did deliver a, a verdict that china should vacate um you know the the sort of island uh, building spree that it is mm. doing right now so there you, you we cannot completely also take away from the neutrality that icj exhibits there right. have been landmark judgments mm. it is uh, staffed with uh, judges and people of eminent uh, uh, public stature from all across the world mm. not just from the united states although the united states has a lot of leverage because mm. if you know that the funding for for united nations 90% of it directly or directly comes from the united states exactly the staffing might come from others they like united uh, nations peacekeeping force a lot of staffing comes from mm-hmm. india but the actual intellect the actual architecture of united nations and thereby icj is a western model and therefore the united states will indirectly become an arbitrator in these issues mm. and i hope that united states under trump plays a little bit of more judicious role mm. than what it is uh, played in the past because of changing times that we live yeah. in the united states itself has taken a very big turn towards the right you It also have to understand that india's stature has also increased so in the past three years happened simultaneously. both have happened so i don't fear um united states um you know this leverage that it has uh, in the international it, arena because india's stature has also increased it needs india more than india, india needs, needs united, united states. states so this is where india yeah. has that advantage yeah. which is why i think all strategies apart that this is a master stroke by the modi government yeah. to go and try to arbitrate dharma dharma is on india's side so there is it doesn't matter which court of the world uh, you go to i i don't I think agree. india will ever have a problem because truly the dharma is on india's side righteousness is on the side of india and by appointing somebody like harish salve and the stature of harish salve yeah. is a very neutral yeah. non political non ideological personality who will go Uh, according to the case book and yes. go according to and the, he did a phenomenal job he did a i was told that i i mean he is later um, acknowledged it in the interviews also that the government mea has been on it since april and nobody knew they were not even no, communicating uh, via emails that yeah. is how they kept the secrecy of the whole I'll thing why it's not made in the public domain because mm. icj 
has been a platform where India has really not shown its uh, judicial metal and uh, legalese uh, right. minds that are there. Today you are seeing somebody like Harish Salve deliver a victory. Yeah. But have you noticed that UPA one appointed a Pakistani to arbitrate on behalf of India? That's how atrocious. That's how atrocious it was. I know that has you know, really been. I mean, I I really don't know if there is another uh, you know another again, side to that story. It's just atrocious. But I have to stop this. We can we can go on and on about ICJ, but we will follow this. But the real this arbitrator story. is the United States. Again and again, I yes. keep saying. I am going to United States in a minute because in a, another. A story. But the United States itself is uh, <laughs> <laughs> isn't isn't in a, a big mode, yeah. yes in a little bit of it's not stable. So uh, we will continue ICJ ICJ uh, story. We'll continue Mr. Kulbushan Jadhav's story. Yeah. Uh, we'll continue tracking it. Yeah. We'll uh, talk about it in the next podcast and also on our uh, website through our opinion columns. But I I, I really want to go before we talk about uh, Narendra Modi's three years um, in power. I do want to go around this whole fetish that. United States presidents have from Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. I saw um, it is a fetish. So I saw um, uh, Trump standing there with a sword. I saw Bannon standing there with the um, uh, grandson of the man who founded Wahhabism. And I then I saw Tillerson, um, Rex Tillerson, yeah, Rex Tillerson da- doing that sword dance. And for a minute, I said, I said, here is the um, you know. Uh, leader of the free world with the apostles of peace and together they'll spread peace. So Wahhabism has originated in Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Here is a place where people are beheaded even to this uh, day and age. This is a place where women are not allowed to drive. This is a place that has terribly in barbaric and has been in um, middle ages and i don't care what people tell me about saudi arabia that oh you have to come and see how good it is i want to know that is it i don't want to know how good saudi arabia is for wahhabi muslims i'm sure it's very good for wahhabi muslims i want to know how good saudi arabia is for uh, forget forget any other faith for any other Muslim who is not a Wahhabi. But anyway, that's not my point. So we are not discussing Saudi Arabia. I just want to discuss this magnetic attraction that America from the time of FDR has with this kingdom. The and kingdom. now they don't but, but even when, know when need did, the oil. When did this so-called uh, attraction begin? Only when oil was discovered. That's what I'm saying. There was now, never any state-to-state relationship no. in the 1800s. Did Abraham Lincoln ever go to Saudi Arabia? <laughs> no. Did uh, your no. J. Edgar Hoover go to... No, that's why I said it started from FDR. So, it started so, with FDR. So all of this is about money. Yeah. All of the shadow boxing of fight against Islamic terrorism and all of that is... Look, Islam is a majority religion in 50 countries of mm. the world or more. Christianity is uh, represented in about 80 to 100 countries of the world. And uh, these con- these civilizations, the Islamic and Christian civilizations, have been at it for about 1500 years. They just want to rule the world. They have been mm. mandated by their books, their prophets, their their uh, apostles of peace, etc., etc., that they are the ones the, that are destined to rule, but only when they overcome all other remaining civilizations, one mm. after the other, and uh, eventually have that grand war that mm. both their books have talked about. Yeah. They've always said that the, the, you know the, the other civilization is the Satan mm. one. It's it's this is a never-ending crusade. All of that shadow all again. boxing yeah. is just silly. You know, uh, President Trump could sell 450 billion dollars worth of arms to Saudi Arabia, mm. but they all know that it's going to fall under the wrong hands, which will indirectly. And Tulsi Gabbard gave a very good statement: is mm. why is the United States selling? 
that kind of weaponry to Saudi Arabia to kill whom? A mm. Houthi rebel in uh, Yemen? Yeah. You need 450 yeah. billion dollars worth of, you know, so that does that mean that Saudi Arabia cannot question um, a, a rebellion in its south uh, shores, shores in Yemen uh, and you need all of this, this is what, Let know, me tell you this, what Obama did, he had at least started um, opening the front with Iran so that United States dependence on Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Arabia is gone. So there is another pole in the fight for Northeast, I mean fight for uh, Middle East. Middle East right. So what has been traditionally the thing, whoever America supports will uh, sort of have an upper hand. So it's interesting that America supports Israel, America also supports Saudi Arabia. So Also supports Turkey. Also supports Turkey. So this is a very, uh, Obama had tried to get in Iran now, but it seems that Iran is out of the picture again. So he cannot do anything about the deal because he has to go through the Congress and everything. But he will, somebody was asking me yesterday, what will happen to the deal? I said, it will die a benign death now benign negligence that's what is going to happen with Iran because he does not want he wants to continue the old Republican policy of continuing with yeah. um, Saudi Arabia this is nothing new what right. uh, Trump is doing it's a old Republican oh, yeah. policy of um, yeah. reaching out to Saudi Arabia so that's not my point and I, I know about this thing my point is how does Iran go from here he stood there when he was de um, delivering his speech on Islam, he did say a few things about this is not America's job to do it. You guys have to come up and uh, curb the right. radicalization. <laughs> so he was sitting in the house of Saud, I mean, the god of Wahhabism. And you are saying that you have to, um, uh, you know, get rid of the... Uh, uh, you know, here, radicalization. Here, here, here are the weapons to get rid of. Here is the, are the weapons to get rid of radicalization. <laughs> but at the same time, he <laughs> badmouthed Iran. He said Iran has destabilized Syria. So he said that in Saudi Arabia. So all here, the while passing on state secrets to Russia. All the while passing this is on all pure BS. BS. I'll so tell you. my point to you is now that where is the geopolitics going? Islam is going through such a tough time, hmm. I can't tell you. In the history of Islam, there has never been such lack of cohesiveness amongst its uh, sister states. Now they have so-called formed a 50-nation alliance that Pakistan is leading. Against what? Mm -hmm. Are they going after terrorism? Yane, are they going after uh, taking an army of one million people and going after Hafiz Saeed? Are yeah. they going to deploy troops and Islamic army in uh, Syria, South Syria or yeah. what is the whole objective? So this is what I've been saying from the beginning is this is shadow boxing. Mm. Both the civilizations, the Western Christian civilization of 2 billion people and the Islamic civilization of 1.5 billion people have the habit of fighting each other in whatever ways that you know, it satisfies them or pa is palatable to them at that point in time. Mm. Islam uses terrorism, has continues to use terrorism as its leverage point mm. against a mightier uh, West. Mm. The West has only become mightier for the past 400 years, Sunandaji. Before mm. that, it was equally placed between the Islamic uh, civilization and the Christian civilization. In fact, After Second World Crusades, War, no, actually, you can say the advantage came from the time of the Industrial Revolution, Revolution when yeah. the British Empire. But America's stronger. rise is Second World War. Right. Yeah. But but America has now taken over the reins from the British Empire, yeah. and now it controls the the whole uh, uh, correct decision making process. Correct. So this will never end. 
I mm-hmm. I just uh, know for a fact that their their shadow boxing even with Russia mm-hmm. is only limited to the extent because Russian south is completely islamic it cannot russia cannot neglect the fact that it borders kazakhstan kyrgyzstan mm-hmm. turkmenistan all of these stans yeah. which are muslim majority nation so russia also has its limitations when it comes to completely playing that game this is what um, you know steve bannon has talked about is the the clash of civilizations, civilizations. the west will always continue to poise itself or posture itself as the giver yeah. uh, giver of arms you fight it out amongst yourself russia will arm iran yeah. and america will arm saudi arabia and russia and america will talk to each other they'll chuckle themselves the deep states in both the countries will uh, prod your putin to go forward or your trump to, trump go, to forward. go forward all of this is a joke but Chess this game cold, continues. Uh-huh. It's a chess game. This is it cold and hot cold war, and hot so-called war. cold war that they keep yeah. talking about. Yeah. is a is a big show. China yeah. and India have to be very wary about this. I agree, and we have to end that right there, and we will jump into our next debate. Before we get to our uh, next topic, um, I do want to say that this is Mindmakers production. This Mind podcast is brought to you by the Mindmakers team. This uh, podcast is produced and edited by Adit Kapadia with the help of our team in India. The panelists for the um, podcast are Adit Kapadia, Pramod Kumar Buravalli and Sunanda Vashisht, which is me. Moving to um, domestic um, politics and domestic. Ha, before that, to I, India. I, yeah. I want to talk about and pay tribute to Rajiv Gandhi. Yes. Because he was one who got caught in the, the thick of things as far as Cold War is concerned. And, uh, I and don't the reason you're talking about him, him is that uh, May, May is, is his is uh, death anniversary. anniversary. His tragic it been, death. Um, it has been um, almost 26 years 26 since years he, he was uh, brutally assassinated by... Yes an enemy of the state and, uh, and I don't buy this argument that India trained uh, was playing both sides both raw I, I saw some interviews happening um, of people trying to get hold of ex-LTT financiers mm-hmm. who are now coming out in the open and saying that Rajiv Gandhi, MGR and all of these people cross-funded LTT and then uh, struck a, a deal with Premadasa and then you know yeah. that's how this whole thing uh, was, you know comes out but at the same time, uh, whatever it is worth, Rajiv Gandhi was martyred as a ex-Prime Minister of India. So, ha- tribute has to be pre- uh, uh, he was given the Prime to the good India. things that he did. There were bad things also that he did, but good things uh, was that that he opened the floodgates uh, by opening the gates of Ram Janmabhumi. <laughs> For me, as a Hindu, uh, call me fanatic or whatever uh, tick, uh, yes. but uh, he opened the gates of uh, the locks on um, Ayodhya. The second good thing that he did was that he was at the cusp of ushering in the scientific revolution that you know you can't give him complete credit it, it should be to Narsimara and Vajpayee who implemented it but at least he had that sort of architecture in place that this whole socialist game that his mother yeah. and his grandfather was playing is not going to be, be the harbinger. He yes. was the one who said, uh, sowed the seeds for the integrated guided missile development program which is not talked about in detail. Agni 1. Prithvi, all of these five missiles. Um, then also he was he was one who uh, had he gotten a second term from ninety one to ninety six, he would have taken the same steps that P V Narsimara had taken because P V Narsimara also had the same team. Mm. People don't uh, realize that the same team of Manmohan Singh, the same team of 
Dr. Subramanian Swami and the economic advisors were also at the disposal of Rajiv Gandhi at that mm. time. The crisis and the same advice that P. Vinar Simharao got during the 91 mm. period, which was also unfortunately his uh, undoing. Rajiv I, Gandhi led um, to that economic crisis. I know. I have to come in here that I completely disagree with uh, your assessment of um, uh, Rajiv Gandhi. I know that what you pointed out were a little bit of um, happy spots in his um, That's what I'm saying. saying. You can't deny it? the happy but spots. Yeah. The happy spots were there, but overall it was a very bleak time of governance. Yeah. The fact that he came in with such a massive mandate and squandered it in five years, um, he was not advised well. Um, as far as how to control, I mean, you know, the Shabano case and everything, you know, this, that will be a blot on um, Indian social fabric. So, to me, I think if I have to really, he is not, uh, see, what happens is it's very difficult to say good and bad. And nuanced political commentators like us can say this, this one is good and this one is bad. No, but I, I will if, come for, to the bad. I'll for, come to the bad. For, um, <laughs> but, um, if, um, Indira Gandhi did uh, nationalization of banks. She also had Bangladesh. So, you know, nuanced political writers can't say that this is good or this is bad. But with Rajiv Gandhi, I think there was lot more negatives than there were positives. I, I see very few positives in his uh, reign. The Mandal thing, which later, you know, took out, but sort of it had gained uh, this thing. And then VP Singh's thing that he could not control. The society was in flux. You remember and I remember we were young, um, but we do remember we were politically conscious um, by that time. The society was in flux the kind of mandate that he had achieved and yet there was there was so much distrust there was there was the society was not we did not feel like some, we did not feel like a confident nation that's what Rahul, because he was inexperienced he was he did not have he had these doon boy uh, doon school uh, old boy um, advisors he did not Both go the out. Both boys and the Miranda house. Miranda house. So he did Both not go them. out and he really did not know what was going on. Tavleen Singh in her book Darbar has really narrated and chronicled Rajiv era because we have not been able to do it. Um, there is no contemporary historian that has done it yet because A, it has not been that much right. time. You have to give time for such things. Um, but to me, the LTT crisis, the um, overall social no, the flux LTT was not has nothing creation. But under his power, under his power and he paid a huge price for it. Who can deny that? But we will talk about Rajiv. This is something that deserves a full one segment debate or maybe two. Yeah. But I will let you talk about him for two minutes because I do want to get back to yes, Narendra Modi. Because I, my point, my whole point about Rajiv Gandhi and Indira Gandhi is that you cannot deny the nationalistic elements that were present in his cabinet. Which completely vaporized uh, after, after Sonia Congress took over. So there are yeah, that elements that, much that I I can, you cannot give, uh, you have to give credit yeah. to that. At the, at the same time, at the economic level, at whatever steering that he probably could have done in his second term, he could not achieve in that uh, uh, five turbulent years. Because I think the first two years were okay, 84 to 86, yeah. he did, uh, you know, he did neutralize uh, Bindran Wale and all of the elements Black that, uh, you know, successes that he saw in uh, Punjab. 
but at the same time kashmir was beginning to flounder because of his policies there are several dif- different negatives the Bofors present crisis in force was a huge negative. negative but for me sunanda ji i will still give him credit for these two things opening up the because Raj, he was crashed for shaban yeah. no? he opened the gates yeah. and that's how we now at least have ramlala in the present present crisis of and, kashmir is his creation ha, ha. so Happen there are two things that i have to give him credit but yeah. many negatives are there many uh, things that he did are coming into the open yeah. right his now his grandfather created um, kashmir problem with, and uh, the daughter was okay with kashmir she was able to handle oh, she was it very good. she was, she very, was very good with kashmir yeah. he completely squandered yeah. um, so kashmir a, a again mix, so it's a mix it's a mixed bag it's a mixed bag but, but since we are on report cards i have to move on to narendra modi we will i promise you we will i know you have lot more to talk we will go to rajiv gandhi um, you know in another podcast a brief report card for narendra modi after 3 years I'll, a b c d f no, i i can't grade, grade him like that i can give him a 75% okay. which is a distinction. a distinction but 25% is still a big negative especially yeah. when with respect to education which he is not able to do anything because of so many different reasons uh, rte R- one of them ha uh, mm. rte is one big reason but mm. also that his larger architecture nobody is aware of is he mm. re- really even working towards that what is his framework that he is setting together just talking about all of the opportunities to be available is not going to be uh, able to create uh, a larger architecture in place uh, then another uh, failure of his has been that overall he the the impression that bjp is giving is that it is hungry to get into election mode and it's trying to win election after the election mm-hmm. there is no seem uh, that may not be a thing maybe that's what they're doing <laughs> you know yeah. i don't think that is a negative or that is something they're not aware of huh. that is probably what they're doing and, and most important negative i would continue to say is that lack of nurturing of leaders that are capable of running ministries today only three ministries you can say after three years i have gadkari, been extremely successful gadkari, gadkari is, uh, suresh ministry, prabhu suresh prabhu and piyush goel these are the three successful ministries others yeah. are basically pale comparisons of their predecessors or yeah. whoever was successful in the past yeah. home ministry has been a disaster they they have no idea as to what to do with this maoist menace they have no uh, idea as to what to be done in kashmir it, is, it seems to be very vague mm, floundering uh, very floundering very vague mm. but at the same time the biggest plus they have is narendra modi himself yeah. he himself as a person can carry so many things forward but then he is still one man yeah. you can't continue yeah. to have that dependency on right. one person mm. unless you have multiple replications yeah. happening i will give narendra modi government an a minus and um, which is what percentage and um, talking my talk terms. in your terms which is about 90% because 92% is yeah. a plus so i'm giving him about 90% okay. and the 10% that i am taking away from him and everybody knows the positives that he has done uh if we stand where we were at 2014 and look ahead we have come leaps and bounds the economy is stabilized for sure inflation think about the inflation is low he has that much he has you have to give him credit nps i have not been able to um discuss yet but at least we're talking about nps we're doing something about nps so that was a huge problem that could not have been uh, fixed right away but the big big positive is the economy has stabilized we have had good quarters uh, except i think you know the, the uh, quarter, quarter of demonetization other than that we have had good quarters um, you know this and so i am i'm not worried about uh, economy i think it is going in the right path i um i think on i'm not even worried about that much about the home ministry i feel that maoist menace they have 
given very strong um, uh, orders now that um, you cannot do what um, Chidambaram had once said that air, um, you know, these are all your own citizens. It's, it's going to be very difficult to uh, do anything like that. But I think they are strong. They are not soft on Maoists. That is one thing. Whether they are meeting with any success or they're being foolish, that is another story. But at least they are strong on Maoists. In Kashmir, I do not understand the policy yet i have to admit and i have been saying it in my last piece also i said if there is a strategy i need to know you are, because you are, i don't see it you are giving them too much credit yeah i don't see any strategy are, in kashmir at the moment hoping that they yeah have i am hoping they have a strategy and i'm hoping that there is i, I will tell you there grand... is no strategy sunandaji except yeah. driving out the elements outside yeah let them go away from the border is Narendra Modi man enough to implement that? What Indira Gandhi did, yeah. is he strong enough to do that? Yeah. Is the only solution for, for And for I don't see that happening. Because there is this whole new of uh, radicals that have grown up and they are not interested in talking. They have not even known what it was to have a pluralistic Kashmir. They are all 25 years and younger. They have never known any other faith in Kashmir. So they are homegrown radicals and there is no other way but to crush them. And you are not seeing that happening because A, either they don't feel that is a winnable strategy, mm. B, they don't think it is a sustainable strategy. Or the state C, government is not allowing. C, the state government is the biggest hindrance that they yeah. touted that was their so-called inclusive government of mm. PDP and BJP, which is now becoming their actually sale. Yeah. That is why I have not given him more than 80 percentile mm. because some things might seem, many Modi supporters have always said ki, dekhe, we formed government even in Jammu and Kashmir. Kha ki hai? What is the, the compromise you have made uh, over the long run? If you wanted to run a government, you could still have a governor's rule and continue to rule Jammu and Kashmir, Kashmir for a long time. You can do it even now. Yeah. So this is what I don't understand whether BJP is turning into the Congress of the past mm. and mean electoral machine where even good intellectual people like Ram Madhav are being asked to go and win, win elections no matter what. Mm. Don't give us any answers except deliver a victory. Victory yeah. ka dhanka uh, mm. kar dijiye. Mm. So what, I mean, what this brutal tactics is making BJP is it is distancing itself from the middle class voter that has yeah. always sided with it. Now, that is where your dollop of socialism comes, comes into in. picture. They, I think, know that the middle class will not side with them. Job creation is at an all-time low. That is why they are moving to a semi-urban and rural voter, so which is why they are turning into socialist uh, So party. about 80%... The Ghanaian socialism <laughs> is back. So about 80% to Modi government. Uh, 75. From, I won't uh, go 75, I gave 90. So let's do about 80% from Mind Podcast. And we'll come back right away. I want to end this Mind Podcast 108.0 on a very somber note. Um, there were two unexpected deaths of two wonderful people, one in political sphere and another one in cultural um, and entertainment sphere. Shri <coughs> Anil um, Madhav Dhave, environmental minister, he was only 61 years old, suddenly passed away with cardiac arrest. Um, he was... Um, Ministry of, Minister of Environment, <coughs> he was a Swami Sevak and he was a very simple man whose last will caught uh, my I attention. Mean, I, I was I was, was in tears and I'm actually choking right now because you know people say everything that they have to say about RSS 
but it's probably only an RSS background that, that will create a man like Anil Dhawe. Yeah. Who, or Narendra Modi, or Narendra Modi who says, I do not want any memorials in my name, I don't want any roads in my name, I don't want anything in my name, all I want you to do is plant a tree. I mean, this it was such a touching moment and he was a karma yogi till a day before prime minister modi said that he was actually talking to him a night before and discussing policy and a brief uh, background about him was that he founded narmada samagra yeah. an organization to work towards the rejuvenation of narmada river and uh, you know in 2015 he had claimed that the human activity abutting narmada was yeah. responsible for the degradation of the river and the, the whole catchment he had, area He had was given his out. life to River Narmada and it's, he was actually born in Gujarat but uh, yeah. he has spent in his entire life in Madhya Pradesh and people tell me that in Madhya Pradesh elections he knew all the um, you know electoral politics and all the booths and all the information down to the booth level on his fingertips. He really was an organization man. Uh, our tributes to him. Uh, it's a sad loss for the country. It's a sad loss for the government of India. Um, we just pray for his soul and we pray for Shanti for his soul. It is, it is really... And big. he was cremated at the Ghats of, Ghats Narmada, of Narmada, which he had always will, wanted. If I find it back again, I will... I think Prime it's Minister, Prime Minister tweeted. himself tweeted it. Yeah. So you can see and you can see that, uh, you know, it was, it was a tough moment. Yeah. And, you know, he was also... Antithesis of what people think RSS is. A pilot, a, you know, somebody who is was very modern in his thinking. And yet people somehow think of RSS as a very patriarchal, peche hai, kuch kar nahi rahe hai, and you know, they don't, um, they don't understand. I mean, I really thought that he was a quintessential today's RSS man. He really, and some RSS people can actually learn from him also. A quintessential RSS spirit resided in him. And, and what he embodies is that again, and again I talk about the confluence of the ancient and the modern. Modern. That is what RSS has tried yeah. to create in the society. And in you him resided that. Yeah. Articulate about the cleaning of rivers yeah. and the environmental. But he lived thing. it. He wrote a book or yeah. a note called Beyond Copenhagen. Yeah. You know, the man yeah. is very well read and yeah. very articulate. Yeah, yeah. He was a, he was, it's a, it's a great loss for the nation. Another very sad death that we had and there was another very unexpected. She was 58 and she had not even, uh, she was going to be 59 in um, a couple of days. Reema Lagu, the quintessential mom, modern mom of Indian uh, cinema. Yeah. So if, when you think of mothers of Indian cinema, because mother has been a very important part of Indian cinema. So you think of Nirupa Roy, then you think a little bit about Kiran Kher and then you think about um, Reema Lagu. Reema Lagu was someone who was this, uh, you know, uh, happy mom and she wouldn't even, uh, you know, happy emotional mom who would give every, a modern urbane mom who always understood her mm, feelings of her children, who always was torn between her husband yeah. and her children. Somehow she put the whole family together. She was so beautiful and so she just she just exuded that motherhood for some reason and my recommendation today is about Reema Lagu she was part of some super hit films like Hum Aapke Hain Kaun and Mani Pyar Kiya yeah. and all the Rajshree films and Vastav you have to watch that last scene of Vastav 
um, with her and she was playing Sanjay Dutt's son where she was younger than Sanjay Dutt mm. and she was playing, Sanjay Dutt was playing her son. You have to watch that last scene of Vastav. Um, but my recommendation, and I know this is Pramod's recommendation too, this is Mind Podcast recommendation this week, Promo, uh, this um, Rajshree Productions put a small clip together for her, putting Can all her videos. That? I will tweet yeah, that. Tweet it that. is a small clip that they put together about Rajshree, uh, about her roles in Rajshree films and that quintessentially describe Reema Lagu, the mother, the happy mother, the sentimental mother, the mother we all loved. And with that, we end this Mind Podcast and we will be back next week. Pramod, Adit and I will be back next week. Thank you and have a wonderful week.